Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning as we continue this series called The Church God Sees. We started this last week and we're talking about uh, this idea that the church uh, isn't a building, it's not a place, but the church is actually people. It's you and I and there is these, there are some things that I believe that God wants to see evident in every single one of our lives that he wants to see really played out. If we are going to truly be the church that he sees, the church that he's coming back for, the church that, that he is longing for. And so as individuals, we are the church. Uh, we, we do church services, we have church events, but we as individuals are the church and we're gonna be a light into this world at all the time and be the church to every single person. And so today we're gonna be looking at this idea of generosity. And I'm convinced that being generous can literally change everything about your life. In fact, I believe that when we're generous, we are most emulating God at that moment in our life because of a famous scripture that most people know. It's held up at baseball games, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. Gave. So some of you guys have heard that verse before. So if, if God is love and God expresses love all the time, the greatest expression of love is giving. And so therefore, if we're going to emulate Christ or we're going to emulate God on this earth, the greatest thing that we can do is we can emulate love, which requires us to give. See, I believe that if we are going to be the church that God sees, then we have got to embrace this idea that we're going to live generously that we must live generously in this life. And, and God is the one who really set the standard for how we're to live because he gave us first and he gave us best. Why? Because he wants us to be generous in life. And I think that if we're gonna truly follow Jesus and his lifestyle, if you look all throughout Jesus' ministry, all that he did was give. He gave health, he gave everything that he could. He was always looking to the needs of others and going, hey, how can I meet this need? How how can I make a difference? What can I do to change this situation? And I believe that when we become generous, it will impact every aspect of life. And so the question that I think all of us have to answer individually is this question. Am I generous? If you were to ask yourself that question, am I generous, uh, it, it's somewhat of a loaded question because I think in some areas of our lives we'd go, yeah, I'm really generous when it comes to this, or I'm, I'm really generous when it comes to my time, or I'm, I'm really generous when it comes to, to my finances, you know what, but I'm not generous when it comes to forgiveness. You know what, I'm not generous when it comes to uh, uh, when somebody hurts me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really generous when it comes to bringing peace to situations. And so we have to answer that question, am I generous? Because sometimes, even though we're not, our goal is to be more and more like Jesus. And it's something that our life needs to be identified by. And not only that, but it enhances so much of our lives. In fact, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25 say this. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What kind of person prospers? Okay, not a trick question. I'm, I'm serious. It's like, I'm pretty sure a generous man will prosper. Okay, uh, who prospers? Okay, 
So we automatically think generosity right there. Oh, oh, uh, prosper. Oh, I'm going to be prosper. I'm going to have prosperity. I'm going to drive a Bentley with 22s. I'm going to live on the beach. I'm going to have a bank account with millions of dollars if I'm generous. And I like another version what it says because I think that it loses translation here. It says a liberal soul will be made fat. See, generosity isn't about finances, it's about your soul. And the greater of a giver we are in our lives, the more it enhances our soul and the more it reflects Jesus because out of the overflow, out of everything Jesus did, Jesus was always giving. And so the more we give, the more we reflect Jesus, the more that we have a capacity to give even more and to be generous in life. And so today what I want to talk about is generosity and what it looks like. And I want to look at uh, a couple of passages of scripture, but for, we're going to start off in two if you have your Bible. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. And, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to have some fun with these, these passages of scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not that you will not be judged. For with what measure you judge, with what, with what measure judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be given back to you. Okay, if we were to define the main subject of these two verses in one word, what would it be? Okay, again, not a trick question. I know it's, I know it's Sunday. Uh, so what's the main subject of these two verses? Judging. Well, we all agree that these verses are about judging. Okay, let me, let me reread this with the emphasis on that word. Judge, not that you will be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, question. Is money mentioned at all in verses 1 and 2? Okay, so we're all in the same, there's, there's, there's no $100 bills, make it rain from heaven coming out of this verse, right? I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. Do you agree that this is talking about judging? Okay, that's four of us. Okay, cheap seats. Do we agree that this is talking about judging? Okay, okay, I just want to make, okay. I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. So, Let's go to Luke chapter 6, and same conversation, Jesus is talking here, Luke chapter 6, verse 37a, judge not and you will not be judged. Now look at verse 38, the end of it, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this passage of scripture is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' probably greatest teaching ever in the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. And what you got to understand is there's two different authors here. Matthew was a tax collector. He was shady, and uh, he came to Christ. And so he wasn't necessarily the greatest record keeper in the world because why? He didn't want people to know his records. He cooked the books, okay? So, like, he wasn't necessarily, he was going to keep what was beneficial to him because he was a shady tax collector of his day. And so, therefore, he remembered what was relevant to him. Everybody judge him. So he's like, judge not and you will not be judged. That's what I remember from the conversation. Anybody guys have selective hearing? You guys, you kind of hear what you want to hear in the conversation. That's exactly what Matthew does. Now, Luke, Luke was a physician. Physicians take copious notes. I mean, they're very, very detail oriented. So Luke's recollection of the conversation is a little bit different. Luke chapter six, verse 37, 38, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, remind me, what is the topic of Matthew chapter 7? 
Okay, judging. Okay, we're on the same page. And uh, what's the topic of Luke chapter 6? Same topic, right? Same, same kind of context of what's happened. And for some reason, we always think that this verse is about what? Money. Because most of the time, that is how this verse is preached. Let me give you a, a brief grammar lesson on Luke chapter 6 verse 38. I know school starts for, for Palm Beach County tomorrow. Some, some of the private schools start this week, but for Broward County, who's a little bit slower, we're a week behind. And so, uh, so like, I want to help us out. We're going to start English a little bit easier, sooner. So it, it says, in verse 38, it says, give. Now, give is the verb. That is the action of the sentence. And you is the subject. You is implied. Jesus is saying, you give and whatever that is, he's saying, you give, and he says, you give it. Now, it is considered an objective pronoun. Now, an objective pronoun is really nothing. It can be whatever you place in that position. So he says, give, and whatever you give, you're going to get back more of. That's, that's the grammar of what this is saying right here. And then he uses the measure, he uses the term good measure, pressed down, shaken, and running over. Which, to us, we just think that that's an abundance. But what we have to understand is he is referring to people that would go out and glean the wheat fields. And at the end, they leave some things by the sides. And what would happen is the poor people of the day would come out and that was left for them. And they would get baskets and they would put as much of the grain in there. And they'd press it down. They'd shake it. And they'd keep filling it till it was running over. See, context matters a little bit. The principle, though, that Jesus is trying to teach is really quite simple. Whatever you give, you're going to get back more in God's economy. So what that tells me is that Luke chapter 6, verse 38, is an awesome verse and a terrible verse. Because it's based on what you're giving in life. So let's look at the context. Jesus says, you judge somebody, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get more judgment. That's why the, the idiots that are in Virginia right now are getting judged a lot. Because what did they do? They started out judging people, and so they're getting judgment. And listen, listen, hate doesn't solve anything. Uh, did, did we forget this, that God created us, all of us, every tribe, every color, every race in his image? So if you don't like one image, you don't like God. Check yourself before you wreck yourself, people. So he says, man, you're going to get that pressed down, shaken, and running over. Then he says, man, condemn, and you're going to get condemnation back. And then he kind of flips the script, and he goes positive. He goes, but man, if you forgive, what do you get back? If you get back forgiveness. So the main subject here is judging. And can it refer to money? Sure. Because in essence, he says, whatever it is, you're going to get that back. It can be anything. It can be good or it can be bad. Now, here's the problem that I, I, I personally have with this verse uh, because a lot of pastors, not all of them, teach Luke 6.38 as the motive for giving instead of the reward. Like your motivation is, is we give so we can get. 
And that's referring to motivation. And so if you, if you want to take that context, you need to back that truck up a little bit, a couple of verses, and look at verse 30. And he says, give to everyone who asks of you. And then in verse 36, he says, listen, uh, when you give or you loan money, don't expect it back. In other words, Jesus is teaching give to give, yeah. not give to get. That's a totally different subject line than what's typically taught. And, and many times when we hear this, we hear, oh man, I'm gonna give so I can get in life. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. You're missing the point of generosity. The point of generosity isn't to give to get, it's to give to give. Because God implemented giving himself. And, and just think about this. The creator of the universe who owns and has everything, why would he implement giving? It's not for him, which must mean that it's for us. It's something that we need in our lives. And let me just make a, a shocking statement that, that might shock some of you. God doesn't bless giving. He blesses giving with the right heart. If you're giving to get, I, I don't foundationally, based on God's word, believe that that's what he blesses. But if you're giving to help people, if you're giving to further his kingdom, if you're giving to trust him more with your life, that's what he blesses. And the bottom line is that giving and generosity is all about our hearts. And so I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, and let's see what God says about generosity. Starting in verse seven, it says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. And I think to become generous people, with a pure heart, there's some things that we have to do that we'll learn from these verses. And the first one is this, is we have to deal with a selfish heart. You and I, we've got to deal with a selfish heart. And you can always tell somebody that has a selfish heart just based on the characteristics of their lives. You'll notice that most selfish people are pretty hard-hearted. So when they say hurt, they don't, they don't care because it doesn't impact them. Like their heart is hard to hurt. Their heart is hard to pain. Their heart is hard to dilemmas. And, and they just, if it doesn't impact them, then why should they involve their heart? And so naturally, they're hard-hearted toward those situations. They have a tendency to be self-centered, so if it isn't impacting them, it makes no impact on them. And so everything in life revolves around, how is this going to help me? How is this going to further me? How is this going to make me better? We've all probably met some people like this. And typically, they live pretty closed-fisted. In other words, they're pretty stingy in life. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. That's their mentality. And so verse 15, it says, continuing that thought from seven and eight, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of the release is at hand. Your eye be evil against the poor brother and you give him nothing and he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin among you. See, what you gotta understand is in the Israeli economy, what would happen is, is, is people would be out there and, and God implemented this strategy where every seven years, Whatever debt you had acquired, in the seventh year, they would all be forgiven. I actually think Trump should implement that policy. Anybody, anybody <laughs> with me? Like, that would be awesome. Um, there's like three of us. Okay. Uh, like, fine, you'd be in debt. I'll, I'll take 
being forgiven in year seven. Uh, but what would happen is, is, is so somebody would see a poor person and they would go, oh, what year is it? Oh, it's year six. Well, if I help them out, if I loan them some money right now in year six, that means that next year it's gonna be forgiven. And therefore, because it's gonna be forgiven so quickly and I might not make all of my money back, I'm not gonna give to them because I don't want them to take from me. And what God was saying right there is he's saying like, check your heart because what that reveals is that your attitude is that of a selfish attitude and you're saying, man, I don't wanna help other people because it's not gonna benefit me in this moment. He says, man, that mindset is wicked, it's selfish. And listen, nobody has to teach us how to be wicked and selfish, do they? Most parents know that your children learn how to be selfish very, very early. After they learn the words mom and dad, what's the next word that they learn? Mine or no? No, because you say no all the time. But have you noticed you don't walk around your house when they touch something going, no, that's mine. You don't ever say that. You don't ever even use the word mine. Do you? But all of a sudden, it just appears out of nowhere. Mine, 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 mine. And we, and we play that game for the rest of our life. That's mine, mine. So annoying, isn't it? Doesn't it make you just want to punch somebody in the throat when you hear that? Mine. And so we end up close-handed. That's what he's saying. And here's what God says. He says, an open hand leads to an open heart. See, here's the funny thing about an open hand is it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Tithe. Always gets real quiet when you say things like that. But TJ, that's mine. Okay, you keep thinking that. See, because you can't let go, he can't put anything in. Because you're living with this selfish heart. You get an open heart by trusting him first. So he says, man, we got to deal with the selfish heart. And then number two, he says, man, we have to deal with a grieving heart. If I've seen people grieve over anything, it's a lot of people have grief when it comes to their stuff and their money. And they're always looking back going, I wish. They're not going, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. They're saying, I wish I would have done something <laughs> differently. Listen, there's rap songs in everything today. So... I'm telling you, music appreciation of 90s rap and Jesus would be an amazing series. Uh, someday, someday when my wife gets saved and lets me do that. So, verse 10, it says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. And what God is saying is, is when you give, don't grieve or mourn what you've given. Because a lot of us, what we do is we give and then something happens in our life and we look back and go, oh man, I wish I would have done something differently. I, I wish I would have held on to that a little bit longer. I wish I would have done this or that. And some of us have experienced that. We've gone and, and we, we've, we've heard or we've had a prompting to go help somebody out. And right when we've given them a large sum of money to help them out, it's like our car breaks down next. And we're like, oh man, why did I do that right in this moment? 
And that's the, that's the point of the enemy to get us thinking that way. And, and, and all we're doing is we're grieving and we're thinking about that and we're pondering on that. And do you think God's really pleased with that? Do you think he's really pleased when we grieve over not having enough? See, not enough is a spiritual state, not a financial one. In fact, I, I, I don't have enough money for lunch today. Somebody want to let me borrow some money? Anybody? You got some money for me? Sweet. Thank you, Olivia. Wow, that's awesome. How much? Hey, Olivia, stay up here real quick. Olivia, oh, 10 bucks. Sweet. I can go to McDonald's on that. It's not good for my diet, uh, but now, like, Olivia, you were pretty quick to run up here and, and give me some money. Why do you all think Olivia was pretty quick to run up here and give me some money? Wow, there's a lot of different answers. You guys are really skeptical. <laughs> she's a plant. <laughs> Somebody's like, she's generous. Well, I mean, somebody, somebody thinks highly of you. You have a job, right? Yes. So you make money. So you could give me money. Yeah, yeah she, notice that she could. She could give me money. Uh, you know why Olivia was, like some of y'all raised your hands, but none of you got up from your seat and ran down here. You want to know why? Because when I asked for this money, Olivia was quick to give it to me. Is because it's mine. <laughs> Olivia, you can sit down now. I know you're getting embarrassed right now. <laughs> like it's mine. Like we, I gave it to somebody and said, hey, give this to somebody earlier. So when I asked for this, they bring it to me. Now, is Olivia upset that she just gave me this $10? No. Is she like grieving over this? No, why? Because it was mine. Let me just tell you something right now. Everything you have is God's. Well, no, no, it isn't. I, I did that. I got that job. Really? TJ, but you don't understand. I got special skills. <laughs> and those magically just appeared. <laughs> Listen, everything you have came from God. See, we, we, we forget that we are stewards and not owners. So when you're a steward, it's really easy to go, oh, he wants that, I'll give it back to him. And she didn't come and just bring me a dollar. She gave it all back to me. Why? Because she understood that she was a steward and not an owner. See, some of us haven't realized that. And I love, again, 90s rap. Let, let me explain to you. Like, check, this, this is one of, one of the first rap songs that kind of got me going. Maybe you guys all remember it. Hit, the, hit that beat. Come on now. Ready? Stop. Ice is back. Something. Yeah, nobody ever remembers those words. Okay. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, ice, ice, baby. Like, everybody, that was like the jam back in like early night. Ice, ice. Like, white rapper, lines in his eyebrows why would anybody do that i don't know but like like as soon as you heard that dun 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 you knew exactly what that was right i mean like you're like that is my jam i love some ice ice baby from right here in south florida but but why don't we play that a little bit further yeah. 
When we first hear that beat, we automatically think, ice, ice, baby. Well, what we fail to realize is that is David Bowie and Queen's 1981 hit, Under Pressure, that was like an iconic song. And what Vanilla Ice failed to realize is that when he wrote Ice, Ice, Baby, and he got that dun, 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 he thought, man, I created this. I made this. I did this. I got number one on the billboard until he realized that there were some royalties that needed to go back to the original creator of that beat and he had to pay them back and some of us need to realize that there is an originator of everything in our life and he needs to get his back Woo! I'm preaching good today we think it's ours and the truth is man it's not ours and I and, and listen I realize for some of you are like man TJ that is crazy I don't even know how to start there and let me just, like, like that is just, I got more month than I have money right now. And so, like, that thinking is crazy to me. And let me just encourage you this. In a couple of weeks, we have our connect group starting up. On Monday nights, we have a financial peace connect group happening at our church offices. Child care is provided. So there's no excuses for you not to get your finances in order. Listen, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to get your finances right. I want you to get them in order. Dave Ramsey is one of the greatest people at helping you get your finances in order. And this is what I know right now. The people that will show up at Financial Peace are people that got it going on. I don't know why that is. It's because I think they've got it going on. They're always like trying to tweak their finances going, how do we make this better? But here's the problem. A lot of us, we're broke and we're, and we're going, man, I'm too embarrassed to show up. And instead of being embarrassed, we need to show up and go, you know what, God? I'm st- tired of trying to neglect this area of my life, thinking that if I do the same thing over and over again, I'm going to get some different results. It's time for me to make some change, face the facts, and make some different decisions with my life. Because a lot of us are living with this idea that the wants that we have are needs, and really they're just wants. You want a new car, but that 1981 uh, uh, Impala that's got 289,000 miles is still running. Drive that joker till it dies. Who cares what it looks like? I'll show you something later on that. That's a, that's a total. But here's the thing. Sign up for it. Don't, don't continue doing the same stupid things that you've been doing, thinking you're going to get some different results. Like, we want to help you. We want to resource you. Because when you, get, when you tap into those resources, you're going to realize that, man, God's got a totally different way of, of living for you. And so we got to deal with a selfish heart. we got to deal with a grieving heart. And then number three, we need to develop a generous heart. Verse 14, it says, You shall supply him liberally or generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your winepress, from what the Lord has blessed you with. You shall give to him. Not only do we need to get to this place as believers where we give, but we need to get to this place where we give generously. And he says, actually, give liberally. And I'm not talking about being liberal in your politics. Some of us are, are way more generous with, with our, our beliefs than with our actions. So is it really a belief? And I think the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives, is he wants to move us from being takers and manipulators to making us generous. But that begins with our hearts. It begins on the inside and reflects out. It doesn't uh, start out here. It starts in here. That's why Jesus said, for where your treasure is, in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, we misquote this and we go, where my heart is, that's where my treasure is going to be. And that's completely false. No, 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 where your money is, wherever you put this, your heart will follow that. 
See, I learned this at the age of 18. I invested in a stock, my very first stock that I ever invested in at 18 years old. I put $2,000 into this company called Visage Technologies. It's all facial recognition back in 1997. Man, I'm old. Uh, and, and so I remember I invested that money. And you know what I did? Every day I went home, I got on AOL. And then I typed in stock ticker. And I just watched it. Why? Because my money was there. I wanted to know what was going on with that company. Everything that I had was put right there. And so because my treasure was there, that's where my heart went. And if we want our heart to be with God, we need to put our treasure there. We need to invest in the things that God is about. We need to help the poor. We need to take care of his church. We need to go out there and meet the needs of the needy. We need to do all of those things. Let me say this. For those of you that are single out there, single ladies, listen, if you're dating a dude and he doesn't spend money on you, drop that joker. I'm serious because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so if he's not buying you flowers, if he's not paying for that day, he's like, let's do Dutch. He doesn't want anything from you but your booty. <laughs> Some of y'all are laughing. You're like, ha, ha, that's my life. <laughs> Listen, what you invest in, that's where your heart's going to be. So you want a better marriage? Invest in your marriage. You want a better relationship with your kids? Invest in your, your relationship with your kids. You want your career to move and elevate? Invest in your career. You want your relationship with God to go to new levels? Invest in your relationship with God. Listen, when we're generous with our life, God is generous in our life. It's just what I've learned. And finally, number four, we got to develop a grateful heart. Verse 15, it says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. See, every day we need to wake up and fall on our face and remember and thank God for saving us, for redeeming us. See, I often remind myself, I'm 38 years old, about to turn 39, but when I was 19 years old, I found myself at a place where Partying and drinking has started to get in the best of my life to the point where I got kicked out of school. And because my alcohol addiction was so prevalent in my life, I, I went to the place where alcohol is most abundant, New Orleans. And within a couple of days, I found myself passed out in a gutter. Actually, I didn't find myself passed out in a gutter. Somebody else found me passed out in a gutter. And they took me home with them. And when I woke up the next day, I had been throwing up all over myself all night long because I'd had alcohol poisoning. See, I, I know what rock bottom looks like because I've been there. And when you get to that point, man, Life is hopeless. I lost my opportunity for an education. I disappointed my family. I'd become addicted. And I'd gotten to this point where I was hopeless. But Jesus. 
But Jesus showed up through a woman who gave me some hope and pointed me in the right direction. And as I gave my heart to Jesus, I started seeing some potential in the future. But yet I was still being held back by an addiction and all of a sudden Jesus broke that addiction in my life. Now I've never had this desire to run back to alcohol to drown out my sorrows and to drown out my pain. I learned that I could run to Jesus and I ran to him. He started to give me hope for a future. Not only did he give me hope for a future, he gave me hope for a present through my spouse. And all of a sudden he started giving us opportunities and potential places to glorify him. And our life has been just catapulted so many places because I remember every single day where I was and where God has taken me to. And sometimes we got to allow God to remind us that we were once slaves and now we're free. And that gratitude of, of God, what you've done for me, that is what produces generosity in our lives. See, my motivation for giving isn't to give. My motivation for giving is, God, you gave me so much. How could I not give back to you? See, it's, a, it's about perspective. A lot of us think that God is about percentage. God is about perspective. Perspective just is revealed through percentages. You know, if you've been loving much, you give love. If you haven't, it's really hard for you. This is what I know is that God loves much. And we should love too. And God wants to use your life and your story as a reflection of him to the entire world. 